0: It's so good to see all of you. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this week. Yes. Um, it's Sunday. It's the Lord's day. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 27. Jesus is speaking. He's preaching. And he says, But I say to you who hear, Anybody here." Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either, give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you. Do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is it to you? For even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even the sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get the same amount back. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. It is righteous and holy. And we ask you right now to give us the grace of humility, to see your glory in it. Open our eyes, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen Amen. and amen. So over the next couple of weeks or so, maybe more, I don't know, we'll see, Uh, I want to speak to you, I want to try to give you a, a biblical perspective on money and possessions. This will not be easy, I don't think. There will be likely things that may make you uncomfortable. You know, anytime someone challenges your long-held perceptions, there's always going to be some tension. And if uh, we're not careful, we can allow that tension to turn into a root of bitterness or anger. So my challenge to you, as always, is that you you hear me with an open heart and with an open mind, and and above all, I would like for you to, to, to hear me in love, because that is exactly what is driving me to say the things that... I will be saying to you, I love you. I mean that. I really do. And I want good things for you. I want you to enjoy the Lord and the fullness that he has for you. And more than any of that, most importantly and most prominently, I love God. And I'm driven by that. And the most loving thing that I can do for anyone is to, to point the way to Him, to shine the light on Him. And even when we're talking about things as mundane and, and everyday as stewardship and finances and material things, I want to shine a light on the glory of Christ and the character of Christ so that we all may be changed and transformed by the renewing of our minds into the image of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. You may find that you will become angry at something that I might say or something that I might suggest. You know, you'll, you'll track right along with me and you'll be nodding your head and saying amen right up to the point that I start talking about your boat or your camper or your shoe collection or your closet. I just want you to know that I'm not out to get you. I have not targeted you. That's just how preaching works. We try to preach biblical principles and the truth of the text, the word that God has given us, and we let the Holy Spirit do the rest. How many times, dear saints, have I sat in a pew and listened to a preacher preach, and I wondered, how in the world does this man know what he knows about me? He's just reading my mail. And the truth is, he doesn't know, but the Holy Spirit does. So I would challenge you to be thankful that God is still working on you. Be thankful for the friction of conviction. The Lord chastens those who He loves. So please remember that I am your Christian brother. And you are allowed to disagree with me in love. But the commandments of God are toward unity in the church. And so I guess what I'm saying here is that if you find yourself really feeling that sting over the next couple weeks, if it gets a little close to home, don't get mad about it. Don't uh, take up your toys and go home, as they say. That's how children behave. That's how the unrighteous, unredeemed of the world behaves. We, we are Christians. Amen? And as Christians, we are called to bear with one another in love. That means that we struggle together. We strive together. That's, that's not a, that's a, there's a tension there. We are to call to maintain unity in the bonds I love the words that he uses in the bonds of peace. We are bound together, locked together, fitly joined together, tied together by peace in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 4. So money is always a touchy subject in churches, and I get it. I understand it's a touchy subject. There's a lot of abuse out there. There's been a lot of abuse over the years by prominent Pastors who have abused this pulpit—not this pulpit, but their pulpit—and they've abused the gospel of generosity to line their own pockets. And let me tell you that on that day they will have a great price to pay because they've lined their own pockets with the gospel message and ignored the suffering of those around them. Amen. It'll be a very heavy price to pay. So don't worry about those guys. They'll get what's coming to them. God is just. He is just. So I, I do get it. I do get it. There, there are some very valid reasons why you might feel uncomfortable hearing a sermon about money. Money is a sensitive issue. People don't like it when preachers talk about it. And, and, and for the most part, we've earned that. I say we. I don't mean me. I mean preachers. I haven't earned that. I very rarely talk about money. For decades, the church by and large, in order to to keep people from becoming offended because this is a sensitive issue, they have taken what I think is a very wicked position of don't ask, don't tell when it comes to money and possessions. There is is so much in how we spend and what we do with what God has given us that is a mirror into our souls. It is a, if ever there was a litmus test for the condition of your salvation, that's it. Listen, there are, are people in this congregation who will verify what I'm about to say. And that is that I have no problem asking you about your giving. Especially if you come to me with a financial need. You want me to pray with you for a financial blessing? Or you need me to believe with you and stand with you for God to meet a financial need for you? My first question to you is going to be, how are you doing in your giving? Have you been faithful in your giving? That's not because I'm unloving. It's not because I'm trying to get anything from you. I I don't get it. I cannot pray for you. The only way that I can pray for you if you have not been faithful in your giving is to pray that God would make you a giver. The only way that I can pray so that you can receive whatever it is that you need to receive from the Lord is that He would first turn you into a giver. Amen. You must sow before you can reap. The seed comes before the harvest. Amen. I can't pray that God would bless you financially if you haven't been faithful in your giving. I just, I just feel foolish about it. I feel foolish about it. I feel foolish going before my God and King and saying, Oh Lord... Give to them. They haven't trusted you. They haven't been faithful to you in anything you've given them already. But go ahead and give them some more. That's foolishness. I just can't do it. What I will do, what I can do instead is pray, God, turn them into givers. Open their hearts and unclench their fists so that they can give, that they have room to receive. We'll know the joy, oh man, the joy of giving and the humility, the grace of humility that we have in in receiving. It is, after all, as Jesus said, more blessed to give than it is to receive. So we're going to spend a couple of weeks on the subject of money and possessions. I do want to recommend a couple of books to you. These have been very helpful to me. They're both by the author Randy Alcorn, Randy, A-L-C-O-R-N. The first one is called The Treasure Principle, The Treasure Principle, and uh, the second one is called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. Now the first book, The Treasure Principle, that's for those of you who kind of want the Reader's Digest version. It's a short version of the second book, very good stuff in it. Uh, the second book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, is a deeper dive. It's a much longer read. They're both easy reads, but it's a much longer read. And I highly recommend that you read either one or both of those books. And a lot of the things that you'll hear me say are are based on arguments that, that Randy Alcorn has made in, in those two books. So let's get to it. Um, today, I, I, I want to take you humbly, if I can, because I'm, I'm bearing my heart for you and showing some... Uh, Uh, vulnerability Uh, i want to take you to where things really changed for me in regards to my money and my things there was actually a point i mean an actual point i can remember the day when a light went off and i could see just how much error i had been living in i just i want to set the stage today and then next week if the lord wills we'll go a bit deeper and a bit further got to till the ground first. You, you may be wondering what in this passage that we read this morning uh, does it have to do with my money. This passage in Luke is a, a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. Now, most of you are familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, right? That happens in Matthew. Well, in Luke, we have the Sermon on the Plain. They're very similar, very similar in, in content, but there's enough key differences that lead us to conclude that these were two different sermons at two different places to two different groups of people. I mean, it only makes sense that Jesus would have preached more than one sermon to more than one group of people in more than one location. People try to use the differences between the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain, and they use that as a discrepancy in the gospel to point to the the unreliability of the gospel, and that's just not even the case. They're, They're talking about two different accounts, two different things that happened. If we just, we just glance through this passage, because we have been so, uh, we've been made so familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, everyone knows that sermon. That's a great, it's the longest sermon that we have. Sermon on the Plain is a little bit shorter. Few preachers go to here to preach when they're preaching the Sermon on the Mount, because this one was on the plane. The one on the Mount was on the Mount. So, and it's the first one. It's the one that we have that comes first in the Gospels. It's the longest one, so they normally go there. So we've all heard it, we've heard the Beatitudes, we've heard all these things. If we read this passage and just just glance through it, we're going to see some very familiar themes, very familiar phrases that stick out to us. Things like, love your enemies. Things like, do good to those that hate you, and bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. Turn the other cheek. Do to others the way you want them to do to you. I'm going to confess to you. I don't think I'm alone in this confession. I know that there are are many people who I I think would probably say the same thing as what I'm about to say. For a long time, I didn't feel like I had a problem with any of this. I mean, I already prayed for blessings for those who who abuse me. I do that. I pray for good things for them because I want good things. Uh, if someone presents himself to me as an enemy, it's just ingrained in my head. I'm, I'm not supposed to respond in kind. Why is that ingrained in my head? I grew up in Sunday school. I've been taught that all my life. This is part of the foundation of who I am. If I'm attacked, I, I admit I feel a certain sense of righteous satisfaction in not attacking back. Amen. I feel like I did these things pretty well. Have I been perfect at them? Certainly not. Do I ever lose my temper? Yes. Have I ever responded in kind? Yes. Have I ever gotten angry? Yes. But on balance, on the whole, I generally felt I did a pretty good job at these things. And I think a lot of Christians could say that. It just They just seem like they're obvious Christian things to me, especially in the way that, that Jesus prevents, uh, presents them as in these, these opposite uh, Opposite things, you know, love and hate and, and praying and, and cursing and blessing and abusing. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That only seems fair, right? Amen. Amen. So my Bible reading plan, it takes me through the Bible from cover to cover every year. And so every morning I get up and I get ready and I, I sit with my Bible and my coffee and I pray and then I read. And in addition to everything that I pray about, before I I finish praying, I always pray about my reading. We want to go to the Word in prayer. Always want to humble ourselves in prayer when we go to the Word. And so that's what I do. And I I pray, Lord, open my eyes to what I'm about to read. Give me wisdom to see your glory on every page. Wash me in in the water of this this precious Word. And that's my prayer before I go to the Bible. And then, as I read i'm I'm looking and I'm seeking. I'm actively trying to engage with the text. I'm I'm taking notes and I'm making observations. And that has led church, I can't tell you, that has led to some real transformations in my life, some real, Real ways that I've had to change how I approach certain things. There have been some, some uh, huge assumptions and things that I've held as long-held beliefs over my life that I've, I've had to tear down because the way I was taught that didn't really line up with what Amen. I was reading. And so I've had to, have to... I mean, it's been a transformative process. And the Word will wash you and transform you if you will engage with it. But more than anything, of all the things that, that the Word has taken me through and all the changes that have made in my, in my heart and my attitude, more than anything in recent memory, about a, about a year and a half ago, this passage from Luke absolutely turned me upside down. I mean, head to toe. And that's even with the notion that I held that I was pretty good at all these things. I thought I had it, and then I really read it. See, I'm reading right along. I'm very familiar with this passage, and I come to this verse, verse 30, Luke chapter 6, verse 30, where Jesus says, Give to everyone who begs from you. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. See, I'm I'm reading and I'm I'm feeling pretty good about myself up to this point. I'm already a giver. I bring my tithes into the storehouse. Now, don't worry. Those of you who clenched up, this is not a message about tithes. That will come later. Not today, though. (laughs) I am already faithful in my giving to the church. I have been for most of my life. So I've got this. I try to do good even to those who hate me. I pray for those who curse me. I've got it. I give to the church. See, I'm a giver, Lord, but I read this verse, these words that my Lord spoke, His commandment to me and to all of us, and it's like a, a veil was lifted from my eyes and I could finally see. I give to God's house, but I had fallen very short in giving to His kingdom. I told you I write notes as I I read and that's where a lot of my Jesus Joy and Coffee posts come from. Sometimes I'm reading and I have a a thought and I think well others might benefit from this and so I I post it up. Most of it's just for me though. But On that day when I, I came to this passage this is what I wrote, I said, I stand convicted. I do not give to everyone who begs, no I make judgments about the worthiness or the truthfulness of their request. And I lack faith in God's provision. I often think if I give it, I won't have it when I need it. And that church was a devastating conviction for me. Not only did it illuminate my selfish and self-righteous, my, my judgmental attitude that I have towards others, but it shined a very bright light on a very dark lack of faith in God and my failure to trust Him. It became devastatingly clear to me that as much as I tried to follow that golden rule, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you, I fell embarrassingly short. Church, I I admonish you, do not gloss over or pass by this verse. Because most of us read this and we think it means something different than what it says. It can't mean give to everyone who comes to you begging. Surely, we are supposed to do some sifting, right? Surely. I mean, if I give to everyone who came begging... Church, I don't even know if you have a clue the number of people that come to these church doors begging. And they've all got the same story. Well, not all of them. I mean, but enough of them have the same story that it feels like the, all of them. They're they're all on their way to somewhere. Someone has in the hospital. Someone's been shot. Someone's sick, and they're trying to get to. This person or somewhere, and that for some reason, they wound up stranded here in Paris, Texas. And they've got no money, no food, no gas, and no place to sleep. So I've heard these stories for, how long have we been here, 13 years? Here. long time. Same story. And I can't tell you how many of them. And on that same coin, I can't tell you. How many times I've turned them away because I did not believe them or because I judged them to be unworthy of the Lord's money. I'm I'm laying my heart open for you. I hope you can see the vulnerability there and that it spurs you on to good works. Jesus said, give to everyone who comes to you begging, but surely you didn't mean to that guy. He is a sinner. He is unrighteous. You know what, Lord? He's been drinking. I can smell the alcohol on his breath. He's filthy. He's dirty. He hasn't had a bath in a month. Surely you didn't mean to that guy. I mean, the Scripture does say not to cast my pearls, but... Oh, Lord, how often we have abused that one. And I'm going to get there. Not today, but trust me, that one's coming. I'm going to shake you up on that because it had nothing to do with money. But we use it to excuse our selfishness and not being generous to others. I've heard it. I brought this very same topic up to a group of Christian brothers and sisters about a year ago. And it caused no small stir in that group. And that was the exact defense that was given to me. Well, we're supposed to be good stewards, and we're supposed to not throw our pearls before swine. Read your Bible. In the name of righteous stewardship, in the name of being a good steward with the Lord's money, I denied help to those who came to me begging. And I believe that I brought a reproach on the house of God for the hardness of my heart. Do you remember David after he sinned with Bathsheba? And then Nathan comes and he tells him this story about a guy who had treated someone else with with great cruelty and great injustice. And David hears this story and he becomes filled with righteous anger. And he tells Nathan, bring that guy here, he's going to be punished. And then Nathan says, dude, that guy is you. I'm talking about you. And David, his eyes were opened to the sin that he had committed and he fell under the enormous weight of conviction and y'all read it psalms 50 51 i think where he prays my sin is ever before me it shook him to his core Amen. and that, that's how i felt the day that my eyes were open to the fact that my lord jesus might actually mean what he said Amen. when he says give to everyone who comes to you begging i had fallen short and with the lord's money This is a clear command from Christ our Lord to be generous to others, particularly and especially those who are in need and cannot or will not give back to us. Now, I do hope to bring some context and some clarity to this command over the next couple of weeks. I just want to set the stage today. My... uh, goal today is to provoke you to think. I want you to get your mind working. I want to give you something to think about over the next week. Basically, I'm just trying to prepare, preparing the ground, you know, I'm trying to till the ground, prepare the soil so that the seed has good soil to fall upon. If it doesn't fall on prepared soil, the seed has little chance of taking root. One quick story about preparing the soil. Some of you may have already heard me tell this story, but that's okay. You can hear it again and you still love me. I uh, had to be prepared to receive the seed of God's word. Amen. Amen. So the Lord had to do some tilling and he had to do some rooting in my life uh, to get me ready for what he's going to show me in Luke. And he knew when that We knew exactly. The, nothing is an accident with the Lord. He knew exactly on this day he's going to be reading in Luke he's going to read Luke chapter 6 verse 30 and it's going to prick him in his heart and if I don't get his heart ready to receive it he'll just read over it like he's always done and it won't matter. Amen. So the God, had, God had to put me through some things to get me ready to receive what he was going to give me in, in Luke. So a few years ago, maybe longer maybe three or four years ago I'm at a, a conference in Austin and it's a huge conference it's 10,000 plus people at this conference at the Austin Convention Center. I was in a hurry, I was late for the session I was trying to get to, you know they all start and if you've if you're ever been to the Austin Convention Center, you'll know it's huge and you don't get anywhere very fast, unless you're just sprinting and of course I'm not doing that because I don't want to call attention to myself, I'm walking fast, right? So I, I come in to the building, it's crowded, I don't do well in crowds. Because people tend to annoy me because they, uh, when they're outside of the church context. Because outside these, these walls, they tend to act like people and not children of God. And, and that includes me. And you'll see that here pretty soon. I was not in a very spiritual state of mind that morning. I was rushed. I was tired. I was aggravated. So I walk in the convention center and I see a man across the way. And, and presumably, he's, he's homeless just based on the way that he was dressed and groomed, or should I say not groomed. So I've I've got a badge on, a big old badge that says TCEA. This this is my ticket into the conference. I had to pay for that. And there are security personnel who are stationed at the entrances of the, the building to make sure that the people who are in the building are the ones who are supposed to be there. And so I see this man who obviously does not belong there, And all I can think of in my mind was, how did he get in here? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. So, of all the thousands of people that are pouring into the building, I mean, literally hundreds coming in the door, the door is with me. This man singles me out and he heads straight to me. And I, I'm doing my best to avoid eye contact. I don't want him to think I've seen him or that he can get my attention. I'm headed straight to where I'm going. But he comes straight. He gets right in my... I cannot get around him. It would just be rude for me to walk. I'm, just, I'm not a rude guy. Insensitive, but not rude. So he gets to me and he asks me, before he gets to me, I'm thinking, man, I can't help you. I don't, you know, I'm at a, out of town, I'm at a conference with thousands of people, I have to walk the streets back and forth to the hotel, I don't carry cash with me, I've only got my debit card, my credit card, um, I don't have any money to give you, I can't, I can't, you don't have a money machine, I can't do that. But I'm thinking, I can't help you. So he gets to me and he asks me for something to drink. You know, it's always, you got, a, you got a few bucks. Or, man, I'm hungry, can you get me something to eat? That's what, it's, that's, that's what it usually always is. And I'm prepared for that. I'm prepared for, man, can I have some money, or can I have something to eat? No, I don't have any money, and man, I'm in a hurry, I can't help you with something to eat. There's no place to eat in here, in here anyway. What does he say to me? He says, can I have something to drink? Not something to eat, not cash, but something to drink. He said, could you help me with something to drink I'm sure thirsty. I remember it. It's burned in here. Lord, let it never, never leave. Let me always have it burned in here. So I I shook my head very quickly because, remember, I'm in a hurry. I'm on my way and I'm prepared to tell him I can't help you. And that's what I said. I can't help you. I'm sorry. And I continued walking toward my destination. I got maybe 10 or 15 steps down the way and then it hit me like a ton of bricks whatsoever you've done to the least of these you've done unto me that's what came to me and so I I stopped dead in my tracks to the hotel that I was staying at they it's just you know a lot of people a lot of hotels they charge you for water they will put bottles of water in your room and you pay three four bucks for them and, but not this one this one it was part of the room they put two 20-ounce two bottles of Dasani, that's the good stuff, and, and that's complimentary, it's part of the room. So before I left the room that morning, I had taken those two bottles and I'd put one on either side of my backpack in the mesh pockets of the backpack. So I had two bottles of water on me, on my person, within easy reach. He didn't ask me for what I couldn't give him. He didn't ask me for money. He didn't ask me for food. He didn't ask me for what I didn't have. He asked me for what I had, not just what I had, but what I had in abundance. And these bottles were complimentary. I didn't even pay for them. They came with a room. And I stopped, dead in my tracks. Whatsoever you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. And I said, Lord, what have I done? And so I, I turned around and I tried to find the man because I, I was convicted. I wanted to correct the mistake I had made. Lord, let me correct this mistake. I look, this man was on crutches. He was hobbling. Oh, it just gets worse, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just worse. God creates this perfect storm of things just to, to open my eyes. I looked everywhere. I went everywhere he could possibly have gone in the time it took me to take 15 steps. And I could not find him anywhere. I'm not even sure he was real. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Real enough to me. The whole time I, I'm searching for him, I'm desperately looking for him. I can hear a voice thundering in my head, and it's the voice of my Lord. And he's saying, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. How How devastating that he asked me for something to drink. So I couldn't find him. I'd already missed my session. I couldn't care less about that at this point. I was so gripped by crushing conviction that the only thing I could do is find a quiet corner and just bury my head in my hands and cry out to God, Lord, please forgive me. I am so sorry. You tested me and I failed. Please try me again. Give me another chance. Give me another chance. Send me another one, please. Now that, that experience was man, it was profound for me. I was, I was shaken by it. but it, it rattled me. I thought I had a compassion problem. But clearly I didn't have a compassion problem. My heart was moved with compassion for the man when I realized I had a generosity problem. I had a selfishness problem. He had to prepare the ground, till the soil to get me to where I could receive what he had for me here in Luke. Give to everyone who begs from you. So The day I read that and it opened my eyes in that profound way, I I wrote two notes. I told you the first one, so here's the second one. I wrote, does God give commands that he does not follow? If we are to give to everyone who begs, then does it not follow that God himself gives to everyone who comes to him with open hearts and open hands? The basic truth of the matter, church, is that we are all beggars. Every last one of us. We have nothing to bring to the king's table, nothing of any value. We are only there because he opened the door and said, come. He looked upon us, He had compassion upon our state, He heard our cry, and He gave. To every single beggar, He gave. Freely, lavishly, He gave. I'm telling you, generosity to others is a gospel issue. And I will try to show you just how much of a gospel issue it is over the coming weeks. Jesus said in Matthew, freely you have received, now freely give. Who are we? Who are we who have received so richly, so much, so generously? Who are we to be stingy and selfish with what was never really ours to begin with? You can go to church, you can hear a message about tithing on any given Sunday. And, and, and we will get there. I don't think you can have an honest discussion about biblical uh, stewardship and finance without talking about the tithe. So we'll get there. But I, I wasn't going to start there. I don't want to start there. Because I don't want you to tithe tithes to your generosity. Because the tithe is a fruit of obedience. Amen. Anybody can follow the rules. The Pharisees were wonderful tithers. Jesus even, even used that as a way to condemn them. You, you'll tithe mint and cumin. You'll strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. They were great tithers. They were great rule keepers. So the tithe is about following the rules. That's a fruit of obedience and we, we should all be obedient. But generosity, the alm, the offering... That's the thing, the giving beyond the tithe. That is a fruit, that comes from a fruit of love and kindness and joy. And only the children of God display such things in great wonder, Amen. in great glory. I want you to experience that. We'll talk about obedience, but I want you to know the joy that comes in giving. I've just, I've just tried to whet your appetite. I just tried to get, give you some things to think about. I've made some bold statements give to everyone who comes to you begging. How do we even apply that? What happens when I drive up and there's a guy on the street corner with a sign? What do I do in that situation? Have you put me in a situation where I can't be obedient? I've got, I've got a story about that too. That's coming. Where I felt like, God, you've, you've set me up to fail. But No, no. He doesn't do that. We'll talk about all that. I just want to whet your appetite. I want to get you to thinking. Get you to thinking. You know, as we think we've got it, we read passages like that and we think, surely he doesn't mean that guy. Is it possible that maybe he does? Okay. Hope you're sufficiently curious for next week. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. You are good to us and I pray that we have been able to receive it with humility. Lord, send us from here with our minds turning. And because of that, Lord, send us straight to your word to seek answers for the questions that we may have. For in it, in that word, is, it's precious. It is life to our souls. And Lord, I hope to be driven to it every day. Father, give us compassion for our fellow men. Keep us safe as we go our separate ways and bring us back safely. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Bless you all. Love you so much.